I don't think there should be a perception of instability. I mean, we're a very stable organization, very committed to winning on all, on all fronts. And coaching changes happen in professional sports, particularly the NBA. I mean, it's just a fact of life. That was Grizzlies general manager Chris Wallace opening today's jam-packed Locked on Grizzlies with uh, a frankly ludicrous comment about the stability of the franchise. And, uh, boy, we've got a lot to get into. I am Peter Edmiston. Uh, thank you for joining me here on the podcast. And uh, a lot of you uh, are joining in uh, over the last few days because, you know, it's been crazy for the Grizzlies with the firing of David Fisdale and uh, now J.B. Bickerstaff taking over. And uh, the Grizzlies playing tonight for the Spurs. A lot of people very interested to see what happens from this point forward with the team. So thank you guys for, for downloading the podcast. Jam-packed edition. Tons to play for you. I've got so much good sound. You will hear uh, the full comments, at least uh, a, a big chunk of them from Chris Wallace and J.B. Biggerstaff about uh, some of the, the salient points about David Fisdale's firing and, and their public comments about it which, you know, take them for, for what they're worth, particularly in the case of Chris Wallace when he basically said uh, similar comments about 18 months ago when he uh, was involved in Dave Yeager being fired and then David Fisdale being hired. Uh, so, you, you know, you kind of have to take that for, for, for what it's worth. Uh, you will hear from Mark Gasol, and you will hear my uh, more or less – Six minutes or so one-on-one with Mark, at least in terms of the questions, because I, uh, you know, I posed an awful lot of questions to Mark, and uh, he was pretty direct in his answers, and I think very illustrative of uh, the conflict that he and David Fisdale had, and kind of his denial of direct involvement in David Fisdale's firing, but also an acknowledgement that there was some tension and uh, there are some interesting things for sure that you'll hear from uh, Mark. Uh, Also, uh, you'll hear from uh, J.B. Bickerstaff, the new head coach of the Grizzlies, at least on uh, an interim basis for the rest of the season and uh, some of the things that that he is uh, thinking about with regard to tonight's ball game. And you will also hear a an extensive discussion with uh, my old friend Ron Tillery, the beat writer covering the Grizzlies for the commercial appeal. And uh, Ron, uh, <laughs> so many of you love Ron. Many of you don't love Ron. But Ron knows the situation better than anybody. He's been around this team longer than anybody. He's extremely well-connected and has a lot of uh, fascinating things to say. Ron and I talked actually after the press conference uh, initially with Chris Wallace and J.B. Bickerstaff, but before Mark Gasol talked after Grizzly practice. So you'll hear the thoughts that we put together uh, in, in that uh, in that little time frame. And it was, um, yeah, like I said, I think you're, you're definitely going to want to hear it. It's uh, a lot of, it's a lot of pretty intense stuff and a lot of, you know, a lot of stuff that, I think needs to be said at this point uh, where where the blame for this thing actually should go and where the Grizzlies need to make changes. And I, I I don't know. I'm more and more frustrated by the fallout from this as this, this continues and more baffled really by how things have spiraled from this organization. It just does not 
make any sense. And this is a decision that has the appearance of chaos and instability, in spite of what Chris Wallace says, because it is an unstable and chaotic organization, because it is an unstable situation, because the decision makers aren't really putting this thing together with a real good long-term plan. There's a lot of flying by the seat of your pants. There's a lot of CYA. There's a lot of people looking over their shoulders. Um, It's a very strange operation and one that, frankly, uh, I I don't know (laughs) who you can even turn to at this stage as a true responsible person because, uh, frankly, the decisions get kicked around in so many different directions and, you know, uh, it's the old saying that success has a thousand fathers uh, and failure is an orphan. And in this case, in the organization, when someone has to make a bad decision, eh, you know, you can come up with a million different excuses and who's actually in charge and who's actually doing it and all this. And uh, I'm, I'm not I'm not having it. Um, so uh, you, you will talk in the future about, you know, a lot of that stuff. And you'll hear me and Ron discuss, uh, you know, some of the the, the ramifications of, of those decisions. But first. Uh, let's let's start with uh, kind of chronologically how this thing went. And here are some comments from Chris Wallace in the press conference, uh, starting with a question from Ron Tillery, who you'll hear from later on. Uh, you'll hear my questions in there, also a question from Jeff Calkins. Um, and uh, I think that that pretty well covers it. But this is a little chunk of, of that press conference uh, from Chris Wallace earlier. Uh, and you'll hear J.B. Bickerstaff as well. Uh, in in some of this stuff, this is this is Chris Wallace from uh, Tuesday morning. Chris, um, Ron Tillery, Ron. commercial field. I know you. <laughs> um, rightly or wrongly, it's perceived around the league and in Memphis that Marcus all greatly influenced this decision. Did management or ownership have a conversation with Mark before or after you fired Fizzo? Well, obviously, it's, it's no secret there was tension between the two, and. This is a factor, but it's not the overriding factor. As I said, the trends have not been positive. Uh, we've been go- heading in, in a bad direction for, for quite some time. We need to turn this around. And, uh, you know, we talked to uh, Mark, you know, basically in real time as, as uh, about the same time that I was talking to Coach Fisdale. Uh, Chris, Peter Emerson. Uh, yes, Peter. Uh, the, uh, would this have happened had... David Fisdell not made the decision he made regarding Mark in the fourth quarter on Sunday? Well, Peter, I mean, look at the, look, look where the trends I laid out here. I mean, eight straight losses, seven straight at home, 14-26 over the last 40. You know, we also didn't close for last year. I think we were like 7-14 and 14 over the last 21 with a different roster, obviously, and we were healthy at the time. So it, we just weren't heading in a positive direction. We needed to have a change to uh, – try to save the season, continue the development of our players. And so this was the decision we made at this time. I, I asked because the you, when we were here, I guess, mm-hmm. May 2016, when, when Fizz was hired, one of the things that you highlighted was development of players and his well, development he, no, no, he, of look, players. Give, and, well, to, to Fizzdale's credit, he did a good job developing his players here. I mean, look at the emergence of Jermichael Green. D.D. Davis is starting to come on. Wayne Selden last year. I mean, Mark, uh, Mike, Mike Conley had a good year last year, so give him credit in that regard. But the overall team performance, unfortunately, you know, wasn't up to our expectations. The, the, the question would be, like, development-wise, do you think a young coach deserves the same patience and development that young players typically get? 
Well, we, we just, again, Peter, looking at where we were headed, it, it j there just wasn't a great deal of positive trends. Your stats got anything to jump on and hold on to. And we have an opportunity right now to make a change, hopefully get a positive reboot, which I think we will. Uh, and we think we have a man right here to my left that's uniquely qualified for this job at this point in time. Chris, 17 months ago, you parted ways with Dave Yeager yes. and handpicked David Fisdale mm -hmm. to be the guy to create the new culture here. Um, in, the, in retrospect, A, was that a mistake? And then B, what happens to this culture that was supposed to have been built in the meantime? No, I don't think it was a mistake, Jeff. I mean, uh, Coach Fisdale made a positive impact in a short time here, both with the team, player development uh, made big strides uh, the organization that he showed there was a there was a good culture here and again we wish him all the best I don't feel it's a mistake at all but you know we'd slipped and so now we've we've got to do everything we can to as I said earlier reboot and, and and get going back in a positive direction to be the Memphis Grizzlies that this city and our fan base is, has grown to love over the last seven years and uh, I've, I've seen this happen before when a change is made in season and, and you get a positive bounce out of it, not just on the short term, but over the course of the whole year. And again, looking at a man we had here on our coaching staff who had successfully you know, handled this type of job before, uh, we felt uh, this was the time to do it and, and he was the perfect guy to lead the change. Chris, this is for both you and, and JB. In your opinion, as, as GM, in your opinion, in, with, in the locker room, did, did you think David Fisdell had lost the locker room, no, had lost connection lost, with no, any of the, I, the key players in the locker room? I don't think he room? lost it, uh, Peter, uh, but the results just weren't there. And it's still early in the season, so let's see if we can s stop the bleeding and get some stability. And that's why he's sitting up here right now. Did you? Did you no, not at all. You know, that was my comment before is, Excuse me, to a man, if you ask those guys, you know, if they believed in his vision, I would say yes. Um, there, there was no doubt in my mind we never had, you know, those issues. And I think, you know, again, it's their nature of who they are. Those guys are competitors. They are team guys. They're selfless guys. Um, so whatever was put in front of them, they were willing to do. And the only priority was winning. You know, individual, you know, accolades and those types of things you know, never played a part. And in those guys' conversations or in their minds. Uh, Chris, was was there a thought going into the season? You mentioned the the, the poor performance after the All Star break last year. Was that conveyed to to David Fisdale that that there was a situation where he could be fired before even the quarter point of a season? No, where were things to go no. poorly? Did that I mean, did that interview? Everyone had a great deal of optimism. I mean, you, were, you, know, you weren't thinking that those thoughts at that time. I mean, but it. We are where we are today, and you have you got to make a change in course. And so, but again, that no, no one said do or die with like you're in college football in the off season. Also, also for, for for JB on on the night that it had on Sunday night with regard to to Mark, do you have any idea why the, that decision wasn't conveyed to Mark prior to or talked to during the game with Mark about what was happening? Because Mark seemed very confused about the the, the rationale behind why David Fisdell didn't put him. Yeah, I'm not going to put words in Fizz's mouth. You know, if he, you know, if he has the opportunity to speak on it and answer that question, he can answer that question. Um, but you know, I think it's a question for him to answer. JB Bickerstaff doesn't want to talk about the specifics of why things happened the way they did on Sunday night, or at least uh, you know why it was handled 
in the way that it was. Go back to the the, the comments from Chris Wallace. Uh, he he said you know Mark was involved in real time. I guess is what he said. Um, notified uh, along with David Fisdale when this whole thing was happened. You know I asked basically if 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 they'd lost the locker room. That was uh, intimated by a lot of people. Uh, you've seen that written in a few places because that's kind of some of the whisper campaign that's gone on. But um, JB Bickerstaff plainly says to a man that he didn't get that impression um, that no one is willing, at least on the record, to talk uh, and to say that, which I think is is very interesting um, going forward. And you heard uh, the the discussion about exactly how this thing went down and, and whether or not Chris Wallace thought it was uh, a mistake, which I thought was a good question from, from Jeff. You know, the idea here, it just, it, it, it should be an obvious yes. Of course, if you, if you messed up this badly, um, then it, it is a mistake, but let's go over what we learned that, you know, this was a positive situation. David uh, Fisdale was a positive guy, had a positive influence on a lot of guys, uh, you had a lot of players who liked him. No one seemed to be upset in the locker room, uh, other than, of course, Marcus Gasol, but we, we know how that situation goes. He had a positive influence in the community, had a positive influence on the players, was well-regarded, uh, and was coming off a season where you know Mark and Mike really had career years in many respects with the way that, that, that they had played. The record was underachieving in their mind, what what they would have expected 16 and 27 in the last 43 games 14 and 26 in the last 40 regular season games you can uh, they throw out the playoff series against the Spurs um, but those numbers not up to snuff again you have to regard many different factors which you'll hear Ron Tillery and I talk about a little bit later on but I, I just don't think at the end of the day that those excuses hold much water uh, based on what we've seen on the court. There, there are issues, certainly, as there are with lots of coaches, as you see with your Billy Donovan and the Thunder uh, right now. A good example of that, Jason Kidd and the Bucks. another good example. Quinn Snyder earlier in the season with the Jazz, what a disaster yeah, that was. Um, you know, Doc Rivers with the Clippers, it's been you know, really rough. There, there, are, there are lots of coaches more experienced than David Fisdale going through a lot of difficult times with with really talented teams. Um, so injuries play a part. There, there's lots of things that play a part, but to make this move now is particularly crazy. And you'll hear Marcus All uh, talk about it uh, with me coming up uh, after this. Big show, big Wednesday. Guess it's draft Wednesday. Yes, that's right. Draft Wednesday. Go get the app if you haven't done it already. What are you waiting for? What are you waiting for? Go get it. It's free. It's easy. It's awesome. And you can have fun like so many others are doing. Lots of our listeners on the pod are downloading it and checking it out. And it's super easy to do. Android, iPhone, you name it. No problem. Free app. Download it and you can start playing and win real money. And yes, indeed, with that first deposit, use that promo code LOGRIZZLIES and you can play that first entry for free. It is super simple and man, you're going to love it. And unlike those big sites that have a bunch of the sharks and people that are kind of gaming the system a little bit, and you know how frustrating it can be when you're in that position. 
Draft has all sorts of different games for you of all different sizes. You can win. You can win them a lot. It is a really, really easy thing to do. And how about this? Find me on the app. Find me on the app and follow me. I am at Locked on Grizz. That's my name, at Locked on Grizz with two Zs. You can find me there. And of course, as I said, when you're getting this thing set up, make sure you use that promo code LOGRIZZLIES and you can save, make yourself a little money on the side, have some fun with this app. It is super cool. It's super easy. It is Draft Wednesday. Again, download the Draft app like so many others have and have yourself some fun watching basketball. It's single day fantasy, so you don't have to get locked in to all kinds of stuff with trades and worried about lineups and all this stuff. They'll even change your lineup for you. If an injury happens very, very late or if an announcement happens that a guy's not going to play, they'll even change it for you so you don't have to worry about that stuff. Just have fun. You could do that with the Draft app and, again, use the promo code LOGRIZZLIES. It's Draft Wednesday. Have some fun with me. So let's get right to it. Here's Mark Gasol um, after practice on Tuesday. And, um, I mean, (laughs) the elephant in the room was pretty obvious, so... I just uh, I just asked him about it. Mark, what is your first reaction to what happened with Coach Fizdale? My first reaction, obviously nobody likes um, to see a, a coach change during the season um, because you don't have enough time um, to, to work on stuff. Uh, so that's, you know, I was a little bit shocked by it. Did you ask for him to be fired? No, not at all. Did you speak to Robert Perrin about this? I speak. I spoke to. I found out by you know from Robert after the fact the decision was made, and they called me and let me know that uh, um, the direction they were going, um, but not not before the decision was made. Were you comfortable with the direction that Bisdale was taking the team? I don't think it, the direction was my, my, my main problem. I think that like the situation we are in, um, that's uh, that was my problem, and, and obviously I'm. I'm have his responsibility on that too. Um, that was my main problem. Uh, obviously, it's like nobody likes to be in the situation we're in, and uh, and we were not, you know, finding a way to win collectively, and we were breaking apart. Um, obviously, yeah. um, me and, and 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 David didn't see everything eye to eye all the time, uh, but we both had the same intentions of, you know, making the team. Uh, a collective thing and a, and a really strong unit, and we couldn't find the the formula to do that. Do you are you concerned that because of the timing of this, whether you involved or not, you're going to have the perception of a coach killer or somebody that? That's correct, but it's nothing I can do about that. Um, you know, like, there's there's nothing I can do. All I can do is win, try to figure out um, on my part uh, responsibility why we have the record that we have right now try to uh, keep the guys together, um, keep uh, being encouraging to them, giving them trust through, uh, you know, the good times and the tough times, uh, you know, showing more consistency, uh, you know, being a better, better leader all around. So, you know, any tough situation you go through, any um, slum as a team that we go through, um, it's got to make us better. It cannot keep making us worse and worse and worse and going in, in a negative spiral um, because you know, it's, it's hard to get out of those. Fizz came to speak with you in the summer in Romania 
and you guys have obviously had your, your differences, but yeah. he asked you to be more positive, more, you know, and it seemed as though you were. Did it make this particularly difficult because it felt as though you had done what was required or what had been asked to be more of a leader in his eyes? Um, I don't know. Uh, you know, I'm still, you know, obviously you go back through the game and try to understand why, um, you know, you know, they didn't think I was a part of the, of the solution or part of the winning part of the, of the team at the end of the game. And because obviously, you know, you're in a tough situation, you're 0-7, you, you're trying to get a win. And uh, and it's hard, and it's hard. You're just searching, you, like he said, desperation probably played into that. And, uh, you know, he's, you know, he, he has, he's a passionate guy as well. He wants to win and, uh, and, and it didn't work out. Did you have any thought that this something like this could happen? That, that no. the coach could be gone at this early stage of the season, even given the injuries and all the things that you guys have, have gone through? No, I didn't. I didn't expect anything like that to happen. Obviously, um, and uh, we were trying to find, um, you know, as, as players, trying to, you know, take our responsibility, uh, uh, find, you know, the things that we needed to do as players to, to in order to to win games and, and execute um, the vision of, of the coaches. Um, Obviously, we were, we were not getting that accomplished, and we couldn't find um, that uh, that rock. Do you feel more responsibility now that this has happened, and especially under the circumstances? I, I feel more responsible in the sense, uh, you know, since for the for the stage of the team, like where we, the team is at. Um, obviously, I feel more responsible. But that's you know that coming into this year, I already felt you know really really responsible because I took that challenge of of leading this team and uh, alongside with Mike trying to accomplish something that uh, um, not many people think we can so you know it's it's now we're trying to find solutions and, and trying to find um, whatever we need to find to be a good basketball team and 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 during that process obviously developing guys at the same time um, is not you know it's not going to be simple it's not going to be easy um, but we got to you know we got to give it our best shot you you had said um in the offseason that if your goals and the franchise's goals ever change, then things could change with you. Does this affect that? Have the franchise's goals changed? Have your goals changed? Um, that's going to be up, up to them. I don't, you know, they, they have, you know, they haven't told me their goals have changed. Uh, that's not, you know, being addressed to me. Obviously not the time for that, uh, I believe. I think now is the time um, to try to um, stir the ship and, and, and keep the guys really close and, and, and get them to play the right way, get them to play together. Because... You go one by one, all of us, me included. Um, you're not gonna win many teams just playing one on one, or, or you know, defensively or offensively. You know, we have a much better chance of winning consistently. You know, uh, as a unit, as a team, and uh, and that takes a little sacrifice. That takes, um, you know, obviously uh, making the right reads on both sides of the floor, um, taking some some away um, from from the other team. And, uh, and doing all those things, is, it's important. Marcus Gasol answering directly, says he did not ask for David Fisdale to be fired, did not know about it until after it had happened, explained why he felt certain concerns about the, the way things had been going, what needs to be done. Uh, I thought uh, you know, Mark was about as straightforward as he could be. I don't know that that is going to be a satisfactory explanation for a lot of people out there. I think there are a lot of different theories that can be raised, and it doesn't change the circumstances of what happened. 
how demonstrative Marcus All was on Sunday night and how dramatically David Fisdale lost his job on Monday. Those things don't change. Those things can't change. Mark is going to be perceived as a coach killer, uh, rightly or wrongly. Whether he truly did make a phone call or a text or in some way got a message to the front office or to Robert Para himself that something had to be done, whether he did that directly, indirectly, or not at all, the circumstances dictate that that's the way that this thing is going to be perceived, that that's the way that this thing is going to be thought of, that that's the way that it probably, uh, in the minds of many players around the league, maybe even players in the Grizzlies locker room, that's going to be the truth in their minds, whether it's actual or not. That's what Mark has to deal with, and the pressure starts right away because he has to play. You know, when you have a uh, coach situation like this, then the pressure's on you to perform. I, I thought he stood up and handled those questions, um, you know, which he had to do. He absolutely had to do that. That was a, that was a must for Mark. But now the the real pressure starts because he has to take this completely on him. He owns this thing now. Let's see what he does with it. Before we get to Rod Tillery. On the court, of course, the Grizzlies will be in action against the Spurs. Chandler Parsons is probable for the game, which is good news. Uh, I don't think there's um, too much good news with regard to Mike Conley. Just yet, I did see Mike yesterday at practice. Um, You'll play in with Kobe Simmons, actually, and kind of shooting around with him, talking a little bit to Marcus Gasol as well. Yeah, he's at least around the team, but I don't think that any return of Mike Conley is, is imminent. Um, I asked J.B. Bickerstaff after practice you know, exactly uh, you know some things about what he thought about the you know, where the, the, the team is going to go and uh, what he likes and doesn't like structurally uh, about the offense. So you'll hear uh, a few of J.B.'s comments here. What, will there be any lineup structural changes, anything that, that people will be able to see straight away, differences between how you want to approach it and how Fizz was approaching yeah, it? It's not a, a different approach. You know, I think, you know, with the bodies that we have now and the guys that are injured, there's going to be changes uh, because of that. Um, and, you know, we've got some plans um, that we'll show tomorrow in San Antonio. Do, do you like the, the structure of the shots that you guys have been getting with regard to the threes, the, the distribution of the shots? Do you like the way the offense has looked generally, even if the shots haven't fallen? I mean, yeah, if you can create open shots, you want to create open shots. Um, you know, you got to remember where I came from before yeah, I was here. Yeah, we, we shot a lot of threes. Um, you know, but again, our thing is about our guys being confident. Uh, you know, if they've got opportunities to drive, we want to drive. You know, we want to put pressure on the paint as much as we possibly can. You know, we want to get to the free throw line more. You know, the more we drive, the more we cut, you know, the more fouls we create, the more opportunities we have for offensive rebounds. Uh, so we want to, you know, we want to put those, uh, want to have those situations. But our guys work, you know, a lot on their shot. I uh, want to give them the confidence that when they're open, knock it down. And, you know, we'll talk about shot selection you know, the time on the clock when we're going to take those shots and those types of things. But uh, believe in it, believe in yourself, and, you know, take advantage. I mean, look, you have to just be honest with where the Grizzlies are right now. You know, these next few games were going to be tough, whether David Fisdale was the coach, Steve Kerr was the coach, J.B. Bickerstaff was the coach, Lionel Hollins was the coach. doesn't matter. These are tough. Uh, Spurs 
integrating Tony Parker back into the mix um, and have looked <laughs> pretty darn good this year in spite of not having Kawhi Leonard. You know how tough that matchup is, how tough playing in San Antonio is going to be. Then the Spurs right back here. Then a trip to uh, Cleveland and an angry LeBron who got kicked out of the game on Tuesday night and has already weighed in, as you heard yesterday on the pod, on his uh, his pal David Fisdale's firing. So you get a motivated LeBron, most likely, on Saturday to go along with that. And then the schedule just continues to get tougher uh, and tougher as things go. It, it is, it's not going to be easy, no matter who's coaching, for the Grizzlies to stop the slide and to get things back on the right track. The quicker they do it, the better uh, for the rest of the season. But again, I ask you, you know, where are they going? What are they going to do? And should they, at this point, be entertaining options of tanking, of going in a different direction, all those sorts of things? It's kind of why I posed that question to Mark, if you remember earlier on, about you know the alignment of the franchise, goals with his own goals. I think you have to start asking those questions now because of, of where they are in the West and uh, the injuries and, and what the reasonable expectations should be. And frankly, uh, they expect a lot more. I don't know why, based on the roster. I don't know why, based on the 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 people that that you've got right now. You know, you need a point guard, and you drafted one, and you, you had to cut him. Um, you you've got the Chandler Parsons thing hanging over your head. Uh, there's a lot. A lot of this will, will you'll hear me discuss with Ron Tillery you know, coming up in 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 just a moment. But yes, Grizzlies uh, in action tonight against the Spurs. We'll of course have all the post game for you. Uh, on a tomorrow's edition of Locked on Grizzlies. But up next, it's my chat with Ron Tillery. So I am uh, I'm joined now by my former radio co-host, the beat writer, the only beat writer the Memphis Grizzlies have ever known. That's what he's legally asked me to, to call him or for, for fear of a fine. He is the man who's on top of this story and has put out some very interesting details uh, about uh, all of this Fisdale business that you're definitely going to want to read over at the Commercial Appeal. He is Ron Tillery, who joins me here locked on Grizzly. So we're, we're talking before Mark talks. So when you when you guys hear this, it'll be after that, but just know that that's the time that we're, 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 we're taping this. So, Ron, we, we've, we've heard from Chris Wallace you were on my radio show earlier today. You've written about this. What, what's your general take on who to blame here? Like, how do you see how this thing went down? Oh, boy. Well, first of all, it's stunning, absolutely stunning. In 20-plus years of covering this league with over uh, three cities, um, I've watched teams quit on – I'm sorry, I've watched players quit on coaches – uh, I've seen it all, but never has every contact, NBA contact, player, coach in my phone either call or text me saying, what the hell? <laughs> I mean, like. And you got a lot. Yeah, I, I do. And, and, like, everybody's dumbfounded. And at the end of the day, whether it's right or wrong, the only person that's going to be blamed is Marcus Hall. Mark right now across the league is considered a coach killer. And I'd be willing to bet that he's going to have a problem in that Grizzlies locker room too. And it has a lot to do with what Mark said after not playing in the fourth quarter and Sunday's loss, the eighth straight for the Grizzlies. 
Uh, and it has a lot to do with the timing because the coach was fired the very next day. So, I, I, like I said, you got to start with Marcus Hall. And, 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 you know, and I'm sure we're going to get deeper into this, but, you know, and, and there, there's this reality, and, you know, I'll give Chris Wallace credit, you know, the GM, for acknowledging this. The, the reality is Marcus Hall and David Fisdale never got along from day one. That's true. They didn't. They have philosophical differences about the the role of a leader, the role of a coach, role of a player, mm-hmm. all that stuff. Talked about it a lot of the podcast. You've seen it. I've seen it. We've talked to these people on and off the record about a lot of this different stuff. So, yeah, that's true. Yeah. But if Fizz doesn't do what he did to Mark Sunday, is he fired today? Probably not. And, that, and that's why you got to blame Mark. Because, okay, here, here's the, the spin from the organization. Well, they didn't get along, but, you know, if you look at the big picture, Fizdale's last 40 regular season games, he's 14 and 26. Hogwash. What does it have to do with these simple facts? A, he got him in the playoffs last year for a seventh straight year for the franchise. B, they had a good training camp despite the changes. They came out, and when I say changes, I mean getting rid of Zach Randolph and Tony Allen, half of the core four big-time players in this franchise history. So they start the season five and one. Uh, they beat the Warriors. They beat the Rockets twice. I mean, they were rocking and rolling. And mind you, they're playing with two guys in their starting unit in Andrew Harrison and Jarrell Martin, who are considered G League players, borderline, very borderline uh, NBA reserves. And then the bottom falls out. Okay, they lost eight in a row. Now they're seven and 12. But guess what? Mike Conley's missed a bunch of games because of sore Achilles. Uh, Brandon Wright went down because of a groin injury. Uh, Wayne Seldon, who they were counting on, has never gotten going because of a, a quad injury similar to uh, Kawhi Leonard. You know, it's very mysterious. Um, J. Michael Green went down in the um, first four, is it four or eight minutes? Uh, four minutes. Four minutes of the, uh, of the opener. And he's just getting back. Uh, ben McLemore couldn't start the season. He was their big free agent signing, and he's just getting back. You know, by the way, Mike Conley was never healthy. Right. So when he played, basically the first game, he was good. Right. And something happened to his Achilles to, to exacerbate it or whatever this is, and he was shooting 38% from the field. Right. He was a shell of his normal self right. throughout this whole season. So you got to factor that into the record, too. It's not like you had a fully healthy Mike Conley. Right, right. And so you, 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 you put all this in the mix. And the coach gets fired. It, it just it just it defies logic. I mean, it just it really does. Uh, and um, here's what I didn't like about the situation. Okay, the Grizzlies were down 19. Fizdale did a Popovich. He yanked all of his important players because he was unhappy with the effort. And he says, if you guys don't want to play, then come sit with me. I'm going to find a group who's going to come and play. And that group went from 19 down to 5 down. Now, I think a lot of people would agree that when you're 5 down with 8 minutes to go, you go and put Mark back in the game and try to win the game. Okay, maybe he should have done that. Um, He didn't communicate with Mark about the – the reasons why he made the rotation switch and why Mark didn't play. he Maybe he should have done that. But then Mark goes on a 15-minute rant after the game in the locker room, basically, you know, calling out the coaching staff, saying, well, they wouldn't have done this to Mike Conley. 
uh, saying that I'm not taking this laying down, which seems like a big time threat today. Um, you know, when asked if he had faith in the staff, he him and hawed and, you know, and then finally gave this, you know, weak answer. So um, at the end of the day, all of that happened, but it happens all the time between star players and coaches. And it's not a fireable offense. It's not something, yeah, it's yeah. not something you can fire for. You get, you know, you normally that, that kind of thing happens, and it's happened before, as you said. You, you get called into the office. Maybe the owner gets involved. Maybe not. Maybe it's just the GM, a group, front office people, executives, whatever. You hash out the details, and maybe the coach gets reprimanded or something. Don't do that again or blah, blah, blah. But that's it, especially a coach who's just entering his second year. This is not like a guy, you know, Dave, Dave Yeager, was fired in May of 2016. They hired Fisdale right at the very end of May, so right basically June 2016. So this guy's barely been in the job for a year. He's had, as you said, a huge injury burden to deal with right. in this situation. And, 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 and he inherited a team that was washed up. Like, I mean, he came in with the sole purpose of changing the culture and, and changing the the direction of the franchise. Well, and, and, and not only that, but he's saddled with Chandler Parsons, mm-hmm. who is instantly damaged goods, who the front office, I think it's fair to say, mandated that he start and play in certain rotations mm-hmm. against Fisdale's judgment. That's not something that he would have done if he had had his way. Right. He wouldn't have handled it that way. He probably would have brought him off the bench, if at all, mm-hmm. uh, last year. But he didn't have that option. So the, the front office mandated what he would do. The team played very well with a banged-up group against the Spurs in the playoffs, including right. a Wayne Selden, who was the only guy that kind of had any kind of chance to mm-hmm. stop Kawhi. They took the thing to six. They had a, you know, uh, Mike Conley really was showed out big in that, in that playoff series. I mean, this is the, the part I don't get. You hire a young coach. After you fire Dave Yeager, and you fire Dave Yeager, and Chris Wallace is quoted as saying, well, we, we are stable. We're a stable organization. This is, we're doing this because we're stable, and we want to ensure long-term stability, and the next guy's going to be a long-term guy. And you fire him not even a year, uh, a year and a half into what he's doing. That, that, that to me, is, is so short-sighted, obviously, counterproductive, obviously, and indicative of an organization that is absolutely unstable and is absolutely in chaos from the top down. Now, tell me if I'm wrong. No, you're absolutely right. I mean, are you the only beat writer the Grizzlies have ever known? <laughs> <laughs> and I just laugh while we're laughing. I mean, I could just keep laughing when people try to compare Mark to other quote unquote star players who have leveraged their stardom to coaching decisions. So, you know, it's. You know, you talk about Magic Johnson, you talk about LeBron James, you talk about Penny Hardaway. Michael Jordan with Doug Collins. Ma- Michael Jordan. And you always forget about Michael. Yeah, always. Well, you, know, Michael, you love to give Michael, Michael. a pass. <laughs> uh, Chicago born and raised here. Uh, <laughs> but to me, what makes you laugh about those comparisons is these were super duper stars. And you knew exactly where you were going with them. And I would submit. Where the hell are you going with Marcus Hall? See, here's where this little Sunday tip uh, isn't complete. Fizdale said, you know what, I gambled. You know, I may have messed up, but I own it. I made the decision. That's why I'm in the big chair. Mark's in the locker room whining. They wouldn't have done it to Mike. But he never acknowledged, you know what, 
we're in this eight-game losing streak. Everything's going wrong, including me. I, I need to play better because guess what? Marcus Hall is shooting 39% over these eight games. And he's a two-time max, three-time all-star. So when you're playing a bunch of no-names in Brooklyn and you're not dominating the game, when you go to Denver and you let Jokic with Nicolo, Nicola, 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 come Nicola, on, man. Nicola Jokic kick your ass in a, in a possess, one possession game all through the fourth quarter. I, I don't see how that gives you a right to, to intimate that you need a coaching change. So this is the this is the thing. I'm with you. Like you know, now this really puts the spotlight squarely on Mark. It's Mark's team. It's Mark's responsibility. Mark better play out of his mind uh, over the next you know rest of the season because this is this is they've chosen Mark obviously over and, and people can say what they want. Here's where I want you to help cut out the BS. All right, birdies around the organization talking to you and I and others have intimated that. Fisdale lost the locker room or in some way had bad relationships with some players, that they were underperforming relative to where they should be because there was a disconnect there. That has not been my experience in the locker room. Talking to those guys, uh, I want to know, was it your experience? When I asked about it, and I asked about it at the press conference because I want it on the record publicly, if that's what's going to be intimated, I would like for them to say that publicly. And they didn't. And they said, and J.B., Bickerstaff said, well, that wasn't, no, everyone yeah. believed in Fizz. That was my impression. They may not have liked everything, but nobody likes everything. I mean, the li- players were bitching about Lionel Hollins left, right, and center, but they they played for him. They bitched about Dave Yeager and mostly played for him, not entirely, but mostly. Did you see any evidence of that? None, none. And, and like I said earlier, I, I've seen when teams have quit on coaches. It's, it's very obvious. I mean, you hear the chirping in the locker room, the whispering, the the – the, just the, the lackadaisical performances on the court. Listen, it, it, it's it's just ridiculous for the franchise to whisper that because, let's face it, David Fisdale totally changed the franchise and the style of play this season to a fun way to play. I mean, if you're a player, who, want, who doesn't want to run up and down the floor and take every open shot that you get? You know, all he did was demand defense, you know. But, no, I, I, I just think that's a reach. You know, I, I remember. I'll tell you a quick story. I, I um, when they they decided to re, not to renew George Carl's contract with the Seattle SuperSonics, the spin I got was, well, um, we just thought that his you know his defense didn't work in the playoffs. What? <laughs> the guy averaged 55 wins during the regular seasons and took you to the NBA Finals, and that's the best you can come up with. You know, his his defense was good for the regular season, but it, it didn't work in the playoffs. So this this is the yeah I mean this is the kind of BS you get when well, to try to justify a bad move. And you've talked about it before with with me on the radio show, and, and we may have talked about it on the podcast. I don't know. You wrote about it uh, today. Um, you know, this is not Marcus All's first go round with coaches feeling a little weird about their relationship with him, whether he's coach killing or not. I would say every coach, and some more than others, right. felt like something was weird about Mark. Yeah, I mean, he's he's been difficult. And a lot of it has to do with, um, you know, coming from Spain, the, 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 the culture with that Spanish national team. They're all like brothers. They all grew up together. It's a lot different than the NBA. The NBA is a player's league. It's a lot of isolation. Um, and um, 
Mark has just struggled throughout his career to embrace that, you know, and and so he's fought every coach, you know, from the time he got here on philosophy about how the team should be run and and uh, and how how you should play, you know, play the right way. You know, he's always throwing that out there, you know. So, yeah, and I just remember Dave Yeager's last year, 2015-16. We're on a West Coast trip. Things are going bad. I mean, it's a tough stretch, you know, and I don't, they didn't lose eight in a row, but and, and I don't think there's any secret around people who – cover the team or work for the team that you know even as a beat writer Dave and I didn't have the warmest relationship but out of the blue one day like he he just comes to me and was like I think Mark's trying to get me fired and he just wanted my opinion about that you know and it was mostly based on what he saw on the floor because you know Mark's body language can be really bad it's always and, bad and then he can check out like if guys aren't doing what what he perceives to be the right thing he'll just check out and so, yeah, I mean, Dave was was paranoid to no end. Now, you know, he did, Mark didn't drive Fisdale to that same level of paranoia, but, but you always wonder about Mark's influence. Well, and, and along, along those lines, when I say influence, make no mistake about it. Mark Gasol has the owner, Robert Perra, on speed dial, and he kind of brags about that relationship. So I think it's safe to assume that, you know, Maybe there was a little chit-chat going on. Well, as I said yesterday on the podcast, yeah, two plus two is four. <laughs> you know, there's two players in that locker room who, from the very beginning, were Robert Perez guys. That's Mike Conley, Marcus Gasol. Those were the guys that went to dinner with him, that famous dinner out in San Francisco. Uh, that was – it wasn't Lionel Hollins. It wasn't any of the other team. It wasn't Rudy Gay at the time. It wasn't Zach Randolph. It was Mike and Mark. Clearly – the idea was to build around those guys. Well, Mike's out of action right now. He's not part of this process, but Mark certainly is. And when you have that direct connection, it just stands to reason that this guy would be directly involved. And you'll never know, unless Robert Perry decides he wants to talk about it, or Mark, I guess, uh, how direct that involvement was. But I suspect it was extremely direct. And here, this goes back to the what, we, what we've talked about before. Ron, this thing is unstable because the top is unstable. There were lots of rumors, most of them fueled by Jason Levian, who himself has an extremely poor reputation, uh, a guy that's hard to deal with. A lot of people feel that way about Jason Levian. But he always kind of intimated that something was a little bit strange with Robert Perry, that he was uh, some of his decision-making was, I don't know, was a little bit odd. And I think most people kind of chalk that up to, eh, you know, consider the source. Mm -hmm. Well, now you've got four different coaches with JB in about five years. You've got the last two coaches, two of the last three in the NBA, fired. You've got this relationship being what it is. You have Joe Abadi in some role of doing something around the team, even though he's not technically an NBA guy, he's a lawyer, but he's the conduit to, from para to the team. You have the front office who does stuff, but it's it's always difficult to pin down exactly who's doing what and when between Chris Wallace and John Hollinger and Ed Stefanski. How is it not unstable? And how is this not a problem that is basically a Robert Para problem? Well, I, I'm glad you brought that up because I think when things fall apart like this so unceremoniously and just – you know, this one is like ridiculous. It's always to me an organizational failure. And 
I, I just wholeheartedly agree with you. I don't know how this couldn't be considered as anything but unstable. These are the type of franchises that flounder. I mean, look at the Sacramento Kings. You know, they, they had, what, four or five coaches in four years? I mean, you, you, can't, you can't possibly succeed without stability. You know, the, 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 the most success the Grizzlies achieved is when they had it. And they had it with Lionel Hollins being the coach for five, six years and with the core four being together for seven. That's that's the definition of stability. And Michael Heisley is the owner for a big Heisley. chunk of that. Yeah, I mean, and so then what, what do you get? A, a, a big-time playoff run and an appearance in the Western Conference Finals. You know what that means? That means you are one step away to going to the NBA Finals. So it's just hogwash. I think they play their fans for fools. They certainly try to play the media for fools. And, and you know, and if, you, if you're buying what they're selling, you're just, you're just a sheep. It's, it, and that's unfortunate that, it, that it's that way, but that's really what the, the aggressive push from these guys has, has been. So uh, you know, where, where, where you go from here is, is the question. Like, I asked the same question that I think Chris Wallace, ironically enough, asked about Mark's brother Powell back 10 years ago when he was angling to get Powell traded, and he was working very hard to convince Michael Heisley that Powell Gasol wasn't all that great uh, to try to get that move made. He and Mark Ivoroni didn't think very highly of Powell Gasol, which may have been why the return for that trade was initially not so great. Worked out well, but at the end of the day. So where are you going with Mark Gasol? If Mark Gasol's your guy, Mike Conley, who knows what will happen with him. But even if, let's say, Mike comes back, Chandler Parsons, where are you going? Like, what's the, what's, where, where, now, if you're willing to dump Fisdale and try to push for a short term, for what? Yeah. Like, what's the, what's the end game? Right. This team isn't built to, to survive injuries. It's very clear because the drop off from their best players is dramatic. So, what makes you think that they're, they're, they're built to contend? They're not. They've got, they've got Mike Conley, Marcus Saul, J. Michael Green, who are three, NBA players and Tyreek Evans, who's been remarkable coming back from injury. The rest of the roster, big old question mark. I mean, huge. it's uh, huge. I mean, like, it's like either guys are young and unproven or coming back from major injuries, i.e., Chandler Parsons, and, and now he's going to be out. Mario for, Chalmers. Uh, Mario Chalmers. So this is not a contender. And so that's why I go back to my original statement. It's one thing for a star player and a coach to be into it and the coach has to go. But that's, I mean, that happens when you have super-duper star players. Well, and let me, and let me, and and let you me, know where you're going. And let me stop you there because you, you know, not only do you know where you're going, but you're close. Okay, yeah. so you want to blame LeBron for getting David Blatt fired? Fine. They were 30 and 11 at that point, mm -hmm. but they wanted to win a championship. Right. And ultimately they did. Michael Jordan when he got Doug Collins fired, that team had lost consistently in the second round of the playoffs to the Pistons and to the Knicks, and they were not able to get they were, but they were getting closer. You could feel it, but something had to change. When Magic Johnson got rid of Paul Westhead, again, that was a team that had been to the finals. They were they were in that in the rarefied air, the stratosphere of these teams. Penny Hardaway and Brian Hill, that team had gotten to the finals. That was a good group. This team has done four first-round losses out of the last five years and is 7-12. and 12. What, You don't make that push to get rid of the coach unless the coach is the final straw. Right. This coach is not the final. I don't know that he's even a straw, but he's definitely not the final straw. Right. I mean, I, I, I'm with you. I, I don't see where you're going. Um, 
to to make it come down to it's either Mark or it's Fisdale. Because again, they can talk about the record all they want, but we just we just push back against that with facts. You know, strong playoff appearance against the Spurs. You start the season five and one. Now they're just simply waiting to get healthy. So, but with the way the roster is constructed, that's not going to matter enough, you know. And you know, I don't know. This is crazy. It's crazy. I I I think it goes back to the original point that this this is the very definition of instability. Well, and here's the, here's the last thing. Mm-hmm. So Chris Wallace comes out and does all this, and Chris is a survivor. He's always been a survivor. He had a little stretch. Um, you know, when, when Jason Levy was around where he was on the outs, he was still technically being paid, but he wasn't, I mean, you know, he was basically couldn't even get in the arena really. So he, but he was still an employee. He has a remarkable ability to hang on and do his thing. He's just always around. That's been his thing in the NBA. It's been incredible. You got to give him credit for it. I mean, it's remarkable through different organizations, different roles in, out, you know, all that he's always done it. But look at last off season. The Grizzlies are in desperate need of a point guard right now. They drafted one, and they had to cut him because he sucks so bad <laughs> that they had to cut him. They drafted another guy in Roddy Zagorats, who they cut because they didn't have room for him, and he didn't work out, and he looked so bad, and they brought him over, and they made it. They gave him a multi-year deal mm-hmm. and had to, to eat all that money. Right. Deontay Davis comes out of this. Who knows what's going to happen with Deontay, but you've traded a first-round pick for those two guys. Same offseason, you signed Chandler Parsons to a $94 million contract when – you know or should have known that he is damaged goods and potential to be catastrophically damaged goods to the point where you have no hope of getting your money back. And, he's and, been better this year, and he's still not coming close to paying off that amount of money. And to keep your argument going, they kept Jarrell Martin, who's not an NBA player, just because they were worried about Chandler Parson maybe not being available. So they just kept a body exactly. on, on a rookie contract. So that's, that's all this past offseason. Now, factor in the fact that you haven't had a meaningful first-round draft pick that has hit for a decade in a small market where first-round picks are vital. You've traded away a couple first-round picks to go get Jeff Green and to go get these guys that we talked about there and to make these moves that, that haven't worked out. Sure, you've scored with some lesser moves, second-round picks, some, some different you know, trades to go and get guys with exceptions or whatever. But in the main, you've parlayed a remarkable core four basically done nothing to help them for the better part of a decade, done all these things wrong, how is this man still the the, the, the guy? How do, I mean, I'm not trying to, to be – it's nothing personal against Chris Wallace. Right, right. That's just a – that's a track record right. of disaster. And then he was the guy, Ron, the final nail in the coffin. He was the guy that took all the credit for Fisdale, said, this is my guy. This is the guy. He's going to be this. He's going to be that. He's a young coach. He's got player development. He's the part of the grit and grind mentality, blah, blah, blah. He's – and now he's firing him about a year after he hired him. Yeah. How is he keeping a job? He's harmless. You know, Chris Wallace is not a guy that will fight the coach. He's not a guy that's going to uh, butt heads with the owner. I mean, he's harmless. He does what he's told. I remember Lionel Holland saying once, you know, thank God, you know, Chris Wallace was my first GM. You know why? Because Chris Wallace stayed out of his way. You know, Jerry West wouldn't have. <laughs> I suspect Danny Ainge and a lot of these other uh, winning GMs, winning GMs are, you know, lock and step with the coach. Uh, I remember Mike Heisley, the, the late Mike Heisley, who was the original Memphis Grizzlies owner, saying, you know, to if, if he were to answer your question, 
he would tell you what he told me once, and that says, Chris Wallace allows me to be me. In other words, I can do whatever I want as the owner uh, over and beyond the, uh, the general manager. So that's, that's what, you know, and, and then, he, you know, he, he does goodwill in the community. community. Everybody likes him uh, and it, it, with an absentee owner. I mean, I guess he, he loves that. You know, so, but, but. And Chris is a nice guy. Again, and Chris, yeah. personally, nice guy. None of the stuff, I, I hate when it's we. Not personal, yeah. yeah. Not I hate when we get, this seems like in Memphis, especially, we mix up personal and, and business. It's not, it's not personal. I like Chris. I've had yeah. many lunches and meals, and Chris has helped charitable functions that I've done, and he's helped other chair. Yeah. It's not about being a nice guy. It's about results. It's about performance. It's about looking at what is the track record right. and, like, what do you have to go on? Right. And how are you going to sell, Ron, to the fans? How am, How are you supposed to? To sit up there with a straight face and say we're going to change the culture we're going to change this we're going to we're going to move on we're going to rebuild or reload or re whatever retool and we're going to change all this other stuff and we're not going to change the, the the people and the structure that got you all those bad decisions before how how does that how does that work you're right it's not about any kind of personal vendetta it's all about the facts all facts i mean you just spilled out his resume which, you know, goes back to a checkered pass in Boston with the Celtics. Like, there's nothing about his resume that suggests that he should remain the general manager. Um, but he is, and, and that's why, like, when people talk, start talking about, well, it may, maybe they should just trademark, you know, the team's going down, you're going to rebuild, get some assets. But it makes my stomach a little queasy when you think about who's in place to work with those assets. Thanks, as always, for listening to Locked on Grizzlies. Thanks to Ron Tillery for uh, a very uh, candid and fun interview. Thanks to uh, everybody down at FedEx Forum. A very busy day yesterday, but everyone, in, in spite of some tough situations, was very accommodating and very polite. As always, I appreciate uh, the professionalism that was shown. Uh, looking forward to uh, seeing what happens over the next few days and most importantly looking forward to hearing from all of you because now I'd love to hear from you your reaction to all that you heard on a jam-packed edition today what did you think about Mark's comments what did you think about Chris Wallace's comments what did you think about what Ron had to say all of that stuff please let me know via email uh, pedmiston at gmail.com we're going to get to a lot of those uh, emails uh, coming up over the next few episodes of the show pedmiston at gmail.com. You can always hit me up on Twitter. I would love for you to do that, at Peter Edmiston as well. Uh, thanks to all of you guys for listening. Any uh, ratings would be great. Any, uh, you know, if you want to pass along to your friends, uh, you, any kind of references like that would be great. Uh, getting folks to download, getting folks to jump in on the pod. Love to get all of you guys involved. So please, uh, do that. That would be great. Uh, I appreciate all the ratings already and all that you guys have done. Uh, thank you for doing it. I know it's a pain to go and like click and do the five stars and write a review or anything like that. Uh, I know all that's just a, a big pain, but it really does help tremendously. Subscribing helps tremendously. All that stuff is great. So please do that. Have yourself a, a great Wednesday and we'll talk again in the morning here on Locked on Grizzlies.